In this episode of the Exploring Information Security Podcast, how to build a security operations center or SOC, part one. Welcome to the Exploring Information Security Podcast, where you will learn, explore, and grow your security mindset. I am your host, Timothy D. Block, and in this episode, we will be exploring how to build a SOC. And with me today to do that is fellow PVC Security Podcast co-host, Paul Jorgensen of IBM. Paul, how are you? I'm doing great, Tim. How are you? Yeah, good, good. Getting ready for the holidays. So let's 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 fire this off. Start it off with the toughest question. Dive, what, diving right in. I like that. Yeah. What is a security operations center, otherwise known as SOC? Okay. Well, contrary to what some of my former colleagues think, it is not uh, something that you put on your feet. Uh, of which I am known to have some colorful options on. No, uh, Security Operations Center, basically for an organization, they're the folks that uh, observe, uh, react, and respond to security issues inside of a corporate environment. So typically these things are built of of three pieces, three basic pieces. One is your monitoring component. So you have all this, all this data coming in, all of these feeds from these different devices and stuff. And you may have some tools in there that do some uh, uh, processing and analysis and stuff. And we'll talk about some of those later. But basically, this monitoring group looks at this stuff coming in, plus like uh, tickets in your ticket management system, phone calls, Maybe what we used to call drive-bys, which are when people would walk by your desk and say, hey, by the way, I had this weird thing happen on my computer. Is this a security thing? Uh, then uh, those folks kind of go through and they knock out everything that they know is not a likely security incident or event. right? So they're kind of the, the if you will, the toll booth uh, uh, or the filter of the stuff that comes through. And then the next step are the triage folks, right? So these are the folks that get to really dig into these likely security events. And fundamentally, their job is to decide how severe this thing is, what the scope of it is, how critical are these things that are being impacted, and how should the initial response take place. So this is where you tend to have more technical people involved. Your monitoring folks at tier one, they may be more junior in the organization. Maybe they've moved to security from something else, uh, but they're not going to have that depth of knowledge. But when you get to that tier two, those folks are the ones that are kind of rolling up their sleeves and they're starting to dig into this. And typically in most organizations, um, if those folks can resolve the issue themselves, uh, they will. And then they'll close the ticket and, and you know, the world's a wonderful place. But oftentimes they're not going to be able to or they're not going to have the tools or the skill set. So they will perhaps hand it off to tier three, which are the response folks. And these are the people that are going to have that in-depth knowledge of security and also an in-depth knowledge of the business. So they're going to be able to apply some institutional knowledge as well as technical know-how to addressing these security things. Now, there are a bunch of other components inside of the, the SOC, but those are kind of the three main big rocks, if you will, that make it up. And those are the functions that 
traditionally people think of when they think of a sock. So I, I kind of want to walk through this real quick. So where where would a sock be and, and where do all these tiers fit into it? You mean physically, geographically? Yeah, fi- well, physically. I mean, I mean, it, every organization is a little bit different, but I, I, I'm assuming so. And when we're talking about sock, it's it's kind of the the, the room with all the big screens and the mm-hmm. the IP Viking from Norse up, and you know the the TV with whatever playing on it. Oh yeah 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 yeah. Um, that's that's I think every security geek uh, dreams of that room. I mean, all the screens, the the information alerts, they've got their workstations, multiple displays. They've got cool toys that they can play with <laughs> over here to, you know, do all this stuff. I mean, that's, you know, for, for the listeners, if you've ever seen pretty much any uh, spy movie, spy TV show, uh, a lot of crime TV shows, uh, your uh, your war games – uh, even even just you know the NASA launches right like Apollo thirteen, where you've got the the command center. That's kind of what what Tim and I are talking about here, right? This kind of this 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 very uh, uh, tangible room with all of this cool tech in there, and and you've got blinking lights and all kinds of wonderful stuff. That's the dream. That's what we all want. Um, that room though, it's really expensive to build. So uh, many organizations, and one that I used to work with, uh, I had to do it this way. Uh, I built what was called a, a what we now call a virtual sock. I had people kind of littered around the globe. Uh, you know, we had access into various systems for various alerts and stuff. And you know, depending you know who was up at the time, this kind of follow the sun model, they were able to spin up and do whatever they needed to do. However. A lot of very large organizations, large multinationals, may have three or four or more of these big, cool, shiny rooms all around the world. So again, they could do this follow-the-sun type mentality of, of the security monitoring triage and response. So uh, let's say you're in one of these organizations. Typically, that big room is where those tier one monitoring folks are going to sit. And those tier two triage folks are going to sit. The tier three might, but oftentimes they're they're in a separate adjacent space because typically they're the ones who are doing investigations, they're doing forensics, they're doing uh, uh, deep dives into uh, the security technology. So they kind of need to be away from those blinking lights and those alerts so that they can focus on really doing their job. Okay, so, so, and you make it kind of sound like that room, that expensive big room, doesn't always happen. So sometimes a sock can what just be a couple of computers, a couple of people in like a room, or mm-hmm. uh, it can be that. It can be uh, people sitting in cubes, sitting in an open floor plan. Uh, typically, uh, most organizations will shove the sh- the sock uh, into like a corner, so they have a little bit of privacy. Uh, but it's, uh, sometimes they don't even have a, a door that they can close, uh, which is a problem again, back to what I talked about earlier with those drive by folks that'll just kind of come over and, you <laughs> know, on the cube wall and say, right. Hey, you know what? I, my computer started uh, asking me about, uh, putting in this, uh, password for some encryption or something like that. And I can't get to any of my, uh, PowerPoint. So what's going on? 
you know, that could be a bit of a distraction. Sorry, I'm just looking at my next question. Um, all right, so so what kind of what kind of skills are needed to staff a sock? Okay, uh, so uh, and I touched on this a little bit before, so I'll kind of go in a reverse. Those tier three people, those response folks, they're going to have a background in forensics, like I mentioned. They're going to have a background in uh, 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 malware. They're going to have a background. Probably they're going to have a strong uh, networking skill set. They'll probably have strong system administration skills as well. Uh, they're, they're typically going to be those, um, those kinds of folks that we all want to be if we get to play on the technical side of things. They're going to have all the cool toys, like I mentioned before. Um, they're also going to have to have a level of discipline. Uh, and the reason why I say that is depending on the organization, depending on what industry or industries that organization is involved in and the importance of uh, you know, what we call the crown jewels, the most important uh, uh, pieces of data to an, uh, an organization, uh, they may decide that they want to or they need to handle security uh, incidents, major security incidents in a particular way. Uh, you have basically three options, and there are a lot of different flavors in between, but you've got uh, just kind of the, we want this information, we want it quickly, we don't care how the how the data is handled, how the, the evidence is gathered. You have a level that's considered to be uh, civil, which is where the information could be used to, say, fire somebody from the organization for doing some malicious insider type stuff or for a company to go and sue you know, hackers out there in the world or uh, folks that try to do industrial espionage, those kinds of things. And then you've got the criminal, which is we want to be able to hand this off to law enforcement and we want to file charges. And each one of these levels have specific requirements as to how you handle this stuff. So if you go to that, that top level, that criminal level, then when it comes to that response, you have to do things in a very specific prescribed method. Uh, so you have to take excellent notes. You have to have a notebook that doesn't have pages ripped out of it. You have to have probably a separate notebook for each incident that happens, each major investigation that happens. You have to clone drives and then analyze the cloned drive while the actual drive is put into storage. Uh, you have to do something along the lines of uh, a chain of evidence, uh, custody of evidence kinds of stuff. So there's some very specific things that have to happen. Uh, if you are lucky enough where you work in uh, an industry or for a company that you don't have to go to that level, it makes being that level three type role uh, – a more enjoyable one just because you get to be a little bit more freewheeling with what you do and how you do it. Now, when you get to those tier two folks, you know, again, these are folks that have what we would consider intermediate security skills, right? They're going to be able to uh, maybe look at, say, uh, 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 a network capture and be able to 
take a look at the headers, uh, take a look at the data payloads, uh, look at a whole uh, uh, session uh, as it goes uh, across the network, uh, be able to uh, put uh, various packets together, be able to look at the entire stream. Uh, you know, they're going to be able to do that kind of stuff. They're going to be able to, uh, you know, identify certain types of malware, perhaps. Uh, but, but again, more importantly, they're going to be able to analyze the stuff that comes to them and figure out the severity, the criticality, the timeliness, uh, the impact of what's happening so that they can trigger that next level of response. Uh, and again, these folks have to have a good knowledge of the business and what's important to the business in order to uh, uh, funnel things the right way and make sure that the right people are involved. And then tier one kind of just falls along tier two where you have more. Well, tier one, I already talked about a, a bit, which are typically those are going to be the more junior folks. Uh, they may not have a lot of security experience. Uh, they may be coming from another IT organization. Uh, or another part of the business, uh, but uh, you know they have an interest in it. Could be uh, new hires straight out of school. Uh, quite often, uh, companies will look at doing something called a hybrid SOC, which is where they may farm out that tier one to an outside company. So uh, you know the, this third party vendor, and maybe they're you know what we call onshore, which is inside of the the, the same country as the company that they're working for. But quite often these days they're offshore or best shore is another term that I've heard, which is this tier one monitoring could be done out of India or the Philippines or uh, South Africa or you know any place where they can find uh, the correct staffing with the right skill set at the right price. Uh, and then that tier two, that tier three, those tend to be um, employees of the company because, again, they need to have that that knowledge of the company and what's important to the business. Okay. So what are the tools needed for a SOC? Uh, probably the number one most traditional tool. Uh, it's been around for a long time and uh, will continue to be with us for quite some time, I'm sure is uh, what's called a uh, SIM or SIEM, uh, a security event and uh, incident management system. Uh, different folks may uh, spell out the acronym a little bit differently, but basically what it is is a, 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 a tool that will take in data feeds from a multitude of systems. A lot of them are security-related, but some of them may be like, for example, network gear. And it has intelligence built into it, some heuristics that are going to be able to look at things happening across these multiple systems and put them together and say, bing, this looks interesting. And based off of something called uh, a use case, you'll typically have multiple use cases inside of a sim. And it basically says for given types of uh, data or systems or processes – if these rules inside of the SIM happen to fire, then this is the use case that, that gets assigned to it. The use case tells us how to respond to this particular event using something called a playbook or a runbook, which actually is that kind of recipe of how you go and deal with this. 
So, uh, and this sometimes confuses folks a little bit. So, a use case will be like um, uh, malware infection to HR systems, right? So, it's very specific as to what the type of uh, security issue is and the scope of it. And there's a lot of other stuff in there, but it will take information that comes out of maybe it's the the uh, antivirus, maybe it's out of uh, let's say it's a Windows Shop, Active Directory logs, maybe they've got a web proxy, so it's pulling in information from there, pulling in information from the firewalls. Maybe you've got a, a, a an intrusion detection and prevention system, an IDS or an IDP, uh, that's also feeding in information. So it goes and it takes all of these different sources and combines all that together, then this use case helps to define that specific scope. And then it triggers this run book that says, okay, it's HR, it's malware, you're going to go through these 27 steps, or maybe it's 10 steps, or maybe it's five steps, in order to address that specific uh, type of security issue in your environment. So that's the big one, and I rattled off in there a bunch of other security tools out there in the world that would feed into this. But typically the SIM is going to be uh, the number one most used tool for a SOC. Some of the other ones are going to be uh, data feeds uh, coming from not just these internal sources, but also from outside. So for example, uh, IBM, the company that I work for, uh, has something called X-Force. And it's basically a threat intelligence feed that you can subscribe to. And you can have that data come into your SIM. Uh, of course, there's uh, alerts you can get from uh, the various CERT organizations around the world, uh, government organizations, regulatory organizations. Maybe your company's involved in uh, security intelligence sharing program. That kind of stuff can come in. So you get some cool stuff with that. Then the other piece, and this ties into what I think another question is going to be of yours which is uh, reporting. It is the way that we can show the value that the SOC is giving to the business, the way that we can show that the money that they're spending on us is actually having a positive impact on the organization. This can be as simple as a big old Excel spreadsheet. And our good friend Wolfgang would love that answer. Uh, but uh, it could be uh, uh, a database uh, that is set up and used. It could be some kind of uh, uh, business intelligence or BI solution. Uh, it could be big data that's doing this reporting and kicking the stuff out. But the the you know next to the sim, the reporting piece is the most important tool that the SOC has it at their disposal. Not only for generating these reports and showing the value to the organization, but you can use some of those same pieces of technology to help improve the quality of the data that goes into the SIM or comes out of the SIM. And this is where things like automation and stuff come into play as well. And that will do it for part one of how to build a SOC. Hopefully you learned something. If you didn't, drop me a line on Twitter at Timothy D Block. That's D E B L O C K. Or email me at timothy.dblock at gmail.com. 
Let me know what you didn't learn, and we'll cover it in a future podcast. Show notes can be found at timothydblock.com forward slash EIS. If you enjoyed the show, share it with others and rate it on iTunes. If you'd like to donate to the show, check out my Patreon page at P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash E-I-S. Have a good one.